remember what I preached here last time, but we're going to, we're going to tee off with this and see where this goes. And then I want to read one verse, um, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 1 uh, and verse 27. Do you have to say amen? amen. I know they're going to be quick and follow me. I'm that guy who never, never gives the verses before like right now. But so God created man. Would you say it with me? God, God created, created man. man. In his, 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 his image. In the image of God created he him. Say him. Didn't say male and female. Say he created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and labor. He said, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you the dominion of everything. How about verse 15, the second chapter of Genesis? And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden thou mayest for you eat, for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. I thought he already made one for him. I know. We don't really know what to do with the plurality of us, but I hope I can show it to you tonight. 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Let's make a help meet for him. Verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air. Read this with me. And brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Read with me again. And whatsoever. Who? And whatsoever called them. That was the name thereof. Verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and took one of his ribs. Closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib. Shout rib. Rib. Boy, it's hard to talk about ribs when you're hungry. <laughs> and the rib. Oh, me. And the rib. And the rib. Which the Lord God taken from the man made he a and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, what did Adam say? This is So how did he know that? Numbers chapter 14. We're going to have fun tonight. Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 8. Numbers 14 and 8. I'm going to let you wait because I want you to see this. Numbers 14 and 8. And the Lord God, if the Lord God, if, if the Lord delight in us. Sometimes you got to settle it. You gotta, you gotta fix your mind on facts, right. not what you think, but facts. Yes. And you're the only one that can determine the facts. If God delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it. If God delights in us, He's gonna bring us to Canaan and give it. Now, if you've been in church any time at all, that's not what you've been taught. In the apostolic church, especially in our churches, you've been taught that you're going to be taken to the land of Canaan, and Canaan will be given to you. That's, right. but that's not what the Bible says. Come on. The Bible says you, you 
are the gift director. Yes. Praise God. We're going to have something. Praise God. So, I, uh, I I don't know really how to tell you what I want to talk to you about here tonight. But in the book of Samuel, when David is anointed king, when everything is done, everything is settled, there is a, there is a transference of God's authority from, uh, from Saul to David. But before David gets to the anointing, before David gets to the throne, there's a little story that happens. You don't have to turn that out real quick. 1 Samuel 16, verse 10. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Did you say seven sons? Seven sons. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are there any more? He said, well, there remaineth yet the youngest, but he keepeth the sheep. Now, I need you to get this. Seven have walked before the prophet, and the prophet said, these aren't the ones. Don't you have another? He said, yes, I, I, have, I have another. Uh, but he keepeth the sheep. Now, he could have said he's keeping the sheep. And that would have been, uh, to us, it would have been saying that he had been put out there for that moment. But when he says he keepeth, E-T-H means he's continually in the pasture. Right. Right. This isn't a one-time thing. This is a continual thing. He's the shepherd. He keeps sheep. Yes. Remember that statement. He, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Sin, fetch him. We won't sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful count. In other words, he was ugly. And it wasn't real goodly to look at. And then I like this next part. And the Lord said, Rise, anoint him. Won't you say these last four words with me? For this is he. Welcome to a this is he moment. Before we're done here tonight, it is the will of God for a revelation, an illumination to take place so that you can be comforted or fitted for what God has in store for you and this church, in this community, in this county. You have to understand what God thinks about you versus what you think about you. And if we're ever going to do the will of God, there's got to be a revelation of who we are in this community. I'm not talking about reaching a world. I'm talking about reaching rector. Amen. Which will affect the county, which will affect the state, will affect the nation, will affect the world. But it's going to have to start right here in these four walls. Amen. Let's talk about it. Lift your hands one more time before you see it in your voices. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in this place tonight, God. Do what only you have the power to do in this place tonight, God. Let us leave here with a lot of revelation, understanding, God. In the name above everyone. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I, I, I need to kind of start uh, in such a way that may make you uh, a, a little theologically uncomfortable. 
But if you'll trust me, I'm as truly apostolic as anybody you've ever met. Um, I, 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 I believe in the doctrine of the scripture. I, I believe that God is in charge of the church. I believe the church is all right. I don't think the church is in trouble. I don't think the church is too weak or too anemic or too charismatic because that means that God would have made a mistake and be in trouble. I may not like what I see about a church or the church, but I'm not, I'm not required to like. I'm just required to be obedient to the call Amen. of the cause. Amen. And I think God's in charge of the church and the church is all right. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 Give me all the monitor you can. It's been a long week. I, I, I see a, a principle, uh, I'm already liking it better, I see a principle in scripture that in my upbringing was often misunderstood. And that is when you are talking to people that believe in a coexistent, co-eternal Godhead, maybe triune would be a better theological word, a trinity, more than one, that we are led most often to the book of Genesis and they talk about let us create man in our image and in the image of God. And so they say, see, even in the beginning of time, there was the multiplicity of gods. And so we tend to believe that there is but one creator, one savior, one Lord, above all, in all, and through all. We believe when the apostle wrote, pinned the words to which God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. We do not believe in a co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent Godhead. We believe what John chapter 1 gives us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, for the Word was God. And all things were created by Him, not them. And without Him, not them was anything made that was made. In Him, not them was the light. The light was the light of the world. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. But that didn't stop the light from shining. That didn't stop men from comprehending it just means you ought to be thankful that you have the revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. Because there's a whole lot of other folk that don't. Amen. So I, I often, I'm often led to this misunderstanding or misapplied verse. Let us see there's more than one. But that's not what he's talking about. Because the proof that I will present to your intelligence tonight is God created man. Right, right. Now just think with me a moment. God created man. Even if you believe in more than one God, you have to believe that God created man. Man was made in the image of deity. Man was copied from a master blueprint only from the mind and the intellect of God. Is that not right? But yet when man becomes a finished product, when man is done, you don't have three Adams or three Adams standing there. You've only got one man. You've only got because there's only one God. There's yes. only one creator. There's only one deity. You can't have the multiplicity and be biblically correct. I'm not trying to argue. I'm just reading what the Bible says. In him, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To when God was in Christ. You can't separate the two. They're one and the same. The Word was God. The Word is God. And the Word was in the beginning because it is God from the beginning. He was manifested in the flesh in the New Testament. That's just who Jesus Christ is. Amen. So what do you do with the plurality of us? If I was reading you in a class, I would say it like this. In the beginning, a singular created a plural. And the singular became plural. The plural came from singular. 
Let me explain. In the beginning, God singular created heat, singular them, plural. Come on. What do you do with that? Don't, don't feel like you're going to get false doctrine. We're safe. What do you do with that? You need understanding. In the beginning, God singular created heat, singular them, plural. So you have to understand that something was plural about creation because something was plural about God. If he's not co-equal or co-existent or co-eternal, that means there was something in him. There was something about him that we've got to understand. And I think it's easily understood if you follow creation. He creates man and he puts man in complete control. He says, I'm putting you in the garden. Are you with me? We're going to shout in a minute. I'm putting you in the garden, not just in any place, but in Eden. And I've carved out a special place in Eden called the garden. I want you there, and I want you to keep it. In order to keep it, you must have dominion over it. But I present to you, Apostolic Church, that if we're going to keep Apostolic Bible, we're going to have to take dominion. Amen. And so he looks at man and he says, I want you here. I'm going to put you here. You're safe here. You've got to do me a favor. You need to take dominion and keep dominion. Don't let anything in. Don't let anything out. Dress it and keep it. So man begins to journey. Man begins to emulate. Not copy, but emulate God. Come on. Things are good. Uh, he looks at Adam and he says, here's what I'm going to do. The first test, you look like me. You walk like me. You talk like me, but I need to see if you're really me. I need to see if you think like me. Come on. And so he brings all the animals unnamed. He brings all the animals with no names. He brings every one of them yet to be named. And he presents them to Adam. And he says, you tell me what their names are. I want you to reveal to me what I've already intended on calling them. And if you get it wrong, you're going to mess up everything. But if you get it right, I'm going to affirm the sonship. I'm going to affirm the dominion that you have. And he brings all the animals. I read it to you to Adam. And Adam says, huh, that's a mosquito. Don't you wish. Right there, Adam said, be If Adam would have done it or Noah should have done it, somebody should have eliminated the mosquitoes. He brings them to him and Adam studies it for a minute and says, it's a mosquito. Then he brings a bald eagle and he says, that's a bald eagle. And then he brings a buck here and says, that's a buck. And that's a, nope, 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 that's a deer, that's a dove. That is male, that is female. That is buck, that is dove. That is manly, that is feminine. That is masculine. That and God said, oh, this is awesome. Man is awesome. Man is just. Come on. You probably will say amen now because if you don't do now, you're going to be awful uncomfortable later. Man and God could think alike. Man and God could speak the same language. Man could get into the heartbeat and the mind and the intellect of God and speak nothing against God's will but could declare what was God's will and activate the supernatural power of God and the kingdom and bring to pass something that was the will of God. Can you imagine if Adam would have called the giraffe the mosquito? God would have fixed it. 
But he would have had to go to work on Adam because he would have said, you look like me, you walk like me, you talk like me, but you can't think like me. And if you can't think like me, you, you cannot articulate what is my will. I don't want the giraffe to be the mosquito and the mosquito to be a rattlesnake. I want what I want, but I'm going to allow you to speak into existence what I have already foreordained to be. Revival is not a God sent thing. Come on. Come on. Revival is a man and woman of God spoken thing that God has already ordained before time. That is locked in our ability to release into our communities and into our church and into our family the supernatural ability of God to work on our behalf. And we're sitting here with our mouths shut waiting on God to do for us what God is saying, I can't do that for you because I put all power in your mouth. And if you don't release and speak Stay with me, Matthew 16 comes to us. And he asked the disciples, who does something? They said, I am. And they said, thou art Jeremiah, one of the prophets. You know where I'm at? Uh-huh. Matthew 16. Who am I? Thou art Jeremiah, no. The last, no. The prophet, no. And Peter jumps up and says, I know the art of your Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember? Yeah. And then Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. It would be like me asking you a question. You get it right. You said, blessed art thou, son of LaRue. That's what Simon Barjona did. He said, I know you, I know your daddy, I know his daddy, I know his daddy, I know his daddy. Do I need to go any further? Right. Come on. So when Jesus asked his disciples who he was, most of them did not know except Peter. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed art thou. For flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I say, everybody shall also. Awesome. That also is the revelation. I say also that thou art, that thou art. Peter. Yeah. Now he had already named him. He had already revealed him, right? right? So why Peter? Here it is. Salvation is tripart. Death, burial, resurrection. Repentance, water baptism, spiritual baptism. Yeah. The revelation of Jesus' name, the power, is also triune. Come on. Not trinity, not three co-equal, but it's 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 in theory, it's tripart. You have the revelation of who Jesus is. The revelation that Jesus knows who you are. And then the revelation that you know who you are. And we're good with singing about the greatness of Jesus. And we're good singing we are the friend of God. But we hesitate. We are intimidated to stand as sons of God. And declare what is the might and the majesty and the power of our Father which is in heaven. Praise God. Keys. If the revelation, there you go. If the revelation of the root was in the body of God, stand up, brother, was in the body of God. If you just need to know Jesus to get the keys, how come Jesus didn't throw Peter the keys when he says, Thou art the Christ? That didn't happen, did it? How come it didn't happen when Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Rajona, I know who you are? Didn't happen, though, did it? 
you know, the catch tonight. We met people at the keys. We Peter knew Jesus. Jesus knew Peter. Yeah. Peter knew Peter. Whatever you buy, you keep on that. Whatever you buy on earth, whatever you do, whatever you start, whatever you speak, whatever you declare, whatever you proclaim, whatever you tell, whatever you talk, I'll back up. But don't wait on me to start. I ain't on you to start. I don't get the Apostolic Church works medical signs and wonders. Somebody ought to get up. And says, but I'm giving you the keys to the door. 
and whatever you bind and whatever you loose will determine yes. my binding and my loosening. Yes. We pray and we want God to pour all this stuff down. We want God to do all this for us. We want God to give us all this stuff. And God said, I can't. I can't. I can't. You have my keys. Matter of fact, the Bible says that while he kept his father's sheep, a lion came. Yeah. 
goes. The next thing, I took no sir. David just reared himself up and said, I'll take care of this. Ah! Now, I've met men who have killed lions, but not with their hands. I've met lions that killed men who tried to kill them with their hands. But you nor I know anybody that's ever killed a lion by his bare hands. How about this? A bear came. You know what David did? Let me see a sissy boy do that. Hang on. We're not done yet. Hang on. We've got this little bit measly, meek, meager, weak David that God comes to the rescue and bails out when he begs God or when he's just about to die or the lion's just about to eat him or the bear's just about to take him. But that's not the David that I read about if I really read about him. He hunted the lion down. He hunted the bear down because he said, a lion came and took up my father's sheep and I took care of him. is going to get the revelation that you're not some measly short in church that's just stuck here. No, sir. You are the baddest mama John Chandler Holy Ghost field. We're going to work on this tonight. Help me, Holy Ghost. And so, here's, here's what the Lord gave me. And so this morning when I was sitting on the platform thinking I was going to preach something else, I began to write all this down. Um, he killed a lion and a bear. He killed a lion and a bear. Folks, he killed a lion and a bear with his hands. He killed a lion and a bear with his hands. Nobody fact-checked him. CNN couldn't report it. It may have been fake news. Why does the scripture, nor Josephus, nor any historian say, they went and viewed the carcass to make sure David wasn't lying. What's that? I said, they didn't doubt. They looked at that boy and they said, I believe you. <laughs> How in the world would seven other strappings of a lad, beautiful, tall, intelligent, grown men, look at this little meek Sissy boy, when he said, I killed a lion. And then I'd say, I'd have to sit to believe it. But when David walked in, he staggered over the table and said, I'm hungry. I killed a lion today. And his brother says, Oh my God, that must have been some kind of fight. Poor lion. You'll come in here and you'll let this man labor in the word. You'll let her labor in music and song and worship to get you propped up. To get you fixed up, to make you believe that you're going to have the kind of revival that he's been preaching you, when in fact of the matter is you're stronger than you think you are. He said, I killed a lion and a bear. His brothers believed him. 
He's in the court of Saul. And they say, you are going to fight this guy. And David says it again. I killed a lion and a bear. And the king of Israel, the anointed man of God, nor the prophet, fact-checked David. When David said to the king Saul and Nathan the prophet, or Samuel the prophet, I killed a lion and a bear, they said, if he said it, he did it. Because ain't much that boy can't do. Do you not get what I'm trying to say? Come on. Somehow our 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 identity, our our perception of who we are as a local assembly, as a movement, as a people of God, has got to change. The devil does not have free will, free access to you or yours. No, sir, he does not get to come in your house and take your kids and wreck your He doesn't get to do that. Unless you think you're the name of the Jehovah's Shepherd staff that nobody and everybody beats up on and God bails out every now and then. But that's not who God created you to be. All power in heaven and earth can I owe to you. In my name you shall cast out devils. In my name you shall advance upon the ship. In my name great exploits shall be done and by the church. Somebody say amen. 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 Other brothers coming for him. Let me let me just finish here. The other brothers coming for him. You got seven consecutive potential kings. All of them great-looking guys. All of them intelligent. You can sit down if you want to. All of them intelligent. All of them beefy guys. And the prophet looks and says, No. 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 Then he gets to the end of them and runs them through again. And then he says, Lord, I'm having trouble here. I can't find your king. Watch. And out of this text comes the phrase, God looks on the inside. Man looks on. We've used that, I think, and misapplied it in some areas. But here's what I think it means. When David walked in, the prophet said, that's him. Do you think Saul or the prophet had the ability to see the inside of David. He could only see the but he's the one that said God seeth heart. Men see the outside. Right. And there was something about the outside of David. He looked like a king. Yes. Because the prophet said we won't even sit down until he comes in. And the moment he comes in, he says, hand me my oil. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even hesitate. He didn't even sit down. The minute David walks in, he says, this is he. Yes. Right. You think this tiny little boy that walks in meek and lowly looked like a king? You think that's God's view of the church to the world? Come on. So a meek, mm -mm. humble, barely get by. No. I know I'm preaching to you. Come on. Somehow that's got to change. Yes. Yes. Somehow that's got to change. You don't have to be in a metro city, a large city, or a large town to have the kind of revival that Pastor LaRue's been preaching to you. I'm telling you, people are trying to hold on for your church. This area needs an apostolic church. Not a quiet, reserved, think they're apostolic church. But an on fire with hot praying. Yeah. 
We got a great church. Come visit us. We got a great church. The Holy Ghost is here. Friday night, I told him, I said, you young people ought to get together and sue this church for false advertising. You need to hire a lawyer and file a class action lawsuit and sue the board and the trustees and get all their money. It got lost quite years to get here. I said, because so far, the way I preach here tonight, it's false advertising. You said you're a church that's alive. You say you're a church that believes in miraculous power of God. You say you believe in prayer. You say you believe in worship, but you're not doing any of it. Come on. Come on. I said, young people, rise up and sue them. Make them accountable for false advertisement. Is that not what got the lady to see the church in trouble? You say you're one thing, but you really is not. You say you're on fire, but really you're not. You're not hot, you're not cold, you're just mean, you're just looking for You're happy, be the world's view of thing. Back last year, the Lord began to do something in this church. He began to cultivate some stuff, began to turn some stuff, began to reveal some stuff. And he blessed you with enough proof to get you to tonight. And I do not think it's just coincidence that every night we had scheduled, it snows. In Rector, in Mount Home, it snowed enough that I couldn't get through there. You don't find that just a little bit weird? Could it be that the enemy is as intimidated as you are? Come on. Could it be that he's so fearful that you get this revelation? Yeah. Come on. That if, that if you look in the mirror and say, that's not the day that I see. That's not the day that I meet. That, that's not who we are. We have let Christianity identify us. But I'm the kind of baby that when he walks in after multiple trips of seven elder brothers, nobody gets anointed. But I come in from the shepherd's field. You think he smelled like a king? You think he had his best Sunday suit on? Right out of the shepherd's field, he walks in, and the man of God says, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have everything right. You don't have to have more people. You don't have to have more talent. You don't have to have more ability. You just got to be willing to come off the shepherd's field and walk into the house and say, I'm the king. Church is too white. 
I'm not even going to look out there. I said, this church is too white. I said, it's not God's will to have it white on the church. You don't have to agree. I, I am white, but you don't have to agree. I said, it's not God's will for the white folk to be saved. It's not God's will for the white folk to clap their hands together and worship together. It's the brown man, the black man, the yellow man, it's for every man. Look at who he is. He said, come on, come on, come on, just come on. And I said, I understand we're just a few miles from the KKK cap. I, I get all that stuff. I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, in the next few weeks, we're going to get some black folk in here. Woo! I said, God's going to send us some folk. Yeah. And they're like. <laughs> three Sundays. Three Sundays. We prayed the first one through. The next Sunday, we prayed three more through. And now we probably got 10 to 12 African American folk coming to our church. That if I can get in the spirit and find what is the will of God, all he's waiting on is for somebody to walk and proudly proclaim, this is God's will. And he loosens the power of the Holy Ghost to work for us, not against us. I said, Lord, we want to grow. Send us revival. Revival and evangelism are two different things. Revival is a revival. It's the Spanish word vive, to live again. It's hard to get new people to live again when they're coming to your church. That's not revival. It's evangelism. You have to have revival in order to get into evangelism. That's good. That's good. That's good. You need revival in order to evangelize. God is reviving this church. There's a revival in this church. There's a revival of power. There's a revival of, of, of intercessory prayer as a revival of the Baptist. And when that latches on, then you'll move into evangelism. Yes, amen. Last year, the city proposed. I went back through. I had them go back through and give me the last 12 months. And then give me the whole total since we took the church. And I began to look at the math. And since, just let's just go back last year, 2018. The church that the Lord has blessed me pastor has tripled in attendance. Yes. Today's number was over triple. Okay. You don't have to. I'll do it. It tripled. No magic potion. No evangelist. Just preaching. Just worship. Keeping that prayer room hot. God said, I'm
reason when I look at you, I believe that you're a lion killer. Uh, you don't have to drag its dead carcass in here. I believe you. And so, a few verses later, I'm reading about David's life and all the fun stuff that happened to David. And then, and all of a sudden, his brothers go to battle. They're at war, all seven of them, evidently. Because Jesse come to David and said, David, thy brothers, I haven't heard from them in a while, I worry. Take cheese, take crackers, go check on them. Bring me a report of them. David gathers some cheese and crackers. He gets on his horse and he rides, evidently, to wherever Judah was camped. And when he gets there, his brothers yank him off the saddle and say, hey, stupid, what are you doing here? And he says, Dad said, and right when they're having a conversation, this god-awful roar fills the valley. And David kind of turns and whirls to find where the roar is coming from. And when he turns back around, the brothers that were there talking to him have gone on. Yes. And he looks around. All of a sudden, he sees a tent. The window's open a little bit. Got one eyeball sticking out. And he said, that looks like my third eldest brother's eyes. And he walks over and he looks at the tent and says, what are you doing in there? He said, get away. Don't let him know we're here. Hide. And David said, hide. I know this isn't the David you, you know, but this is the David of the Bible. Yes. Right. And I see David saying, hide from what? Yeah. And they said, if you don't hide, you're going to find out what. <laughs> and David whirls and looks for the voice. Yeah. And the Bible says, as he journeyed, Goliath shows up again and says, send me a what? Send me a man to fight. David said, you're not going. What? I have three other brothers. This is one of my younger brothers, Tracy, and one under him. So, I understand, because I have a big brother, and I understand little brothers. I understand that mischief is part of brothers. Yeah. There's a reason why they looked at David and said, go away. For I know the knowledge of your heart. I looked at that like they rebuked him, that he was just meek, lowly, and then I got to realize it. There's always been something about, especially these Morgan brothers, I like to instigate. I really do. I, I find it quite fulfilling. <laughs> One time in school, I'd been studying the human anatomy and I found out that phalanges are fingers. And a finger is the bone here. And I'm thinking, fiddle with your phalanges, slap your femur. <laughs> so my teacher came up and she got on me for fiddling with my phalanges. And I said, why don't you go fiddle with your phalanges? I'd like to smack your femur. <laughs> she did not find that amusing. I, I, I mean, I don't know why, I was just studying for homework. I was repeating, I was trying to learn. You with me? I, if there's a bear, if, if, if he's hurting somewhere and he tells me, I'm going to find out how bad he's hurting because if that arm is sore, I want to go have sore. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just, 
It's not, not in this life you can't do anything. It's not in this life if you find out you're going to do something. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I'm going to get this point across so bad. I'm going to catch this. It's like, it's like if, if, if you know, if you know you can get them to squeal, why not get them to squeal? If you know you're chuckling to 80, why don't you do 80? Yeah. King's business requires eggs. That's all I need. Let's go. I, I have to be careful because even, even talking to God's people when I try to counsel and they tell me all these sad stories, there's a part of me that won't say, is it really that bad? Yeah. Not because I doubt it. I just want to see if it's really that bad. I just want to know. There's just this cruel streak in me. I, I know. Can't help it. And I was blessed with two younger brothers, so I had much much practice on venting that. Howbeit, I received it from my older brother. Come out of the hospital, double ear surgery. I couldn't hardly breathe without thinking I was going to pass out the pain. He shows up and help my wife get me home. You tell what you don't ever want to do. Get an older brother to take you home from surgery. I cried. I cried. I didn't know that I could cry that hard or that still. But I think I wept till there was no more tears to weep because he would hit every wall. He'd say, is that her? Is that her? Is that her? If we not say anything, it must not hurt. And he literally, I know you're not believing me, but it's the truth. He hit walls. You know, he'd go to those little bumps in the, in the, in the walkway. He'd go over, back up, go over, back up, go over. I, I mean, all I could do was just tears, just, just tears, just has to be what they meant when they looked at him and says, we know the naughtiness of your heart. They please, if you ever see that giant, you're going to make us fight. Just go home. We're going to negotiate a peace here. And David said, what shall be done to the man that kills him? They said, oh, well, if you don't kill him, we're his servants. But if you do kill him, which we don't know anybody that can, they'll be our servants. What's that? So that's the enemy of God. And if you defeat the enemy of God, they become your servant. But if that's the enemy of God and you don't defeat them, you become their servant. How is it ever God's will for God's people to become indentured to the enemy of God? Come on. That's right. I'll hurry if you'll help me. How is it ever God's will for you to be subservient to something that's not supposed to reign over you? Something that he gave you dominion and power since the beginning of time. Yes. How is it God's will for you to wait on the enemy to allow you to have a revival or allow you to break through or allow you to be blessed? How is that God's will any day of the week? They said, if you have a knowledge of that heart, and so David said, don't, don't, don't worry about it. He said, I'll go take care of him. And his brothers didn't try to stop him. Why? Wouldn't you try to stop some little guy that's going to go get killed? How come they didn't? Because maybe they just knew. We might have a chance here. Because he did kill a lion. He did kill a bear with his bare hands. And so they go running to Saul and say, we found somebody. He'll go fight. And they bring David into his chambers. The chapter before He's found out how gifted he was on the harp and psalms, and he's brought to Saul, and Saul makes him his armor bearer. Yes. 
Now they bring David in and they don't tell Saul it's David until he's in his presence. And they say, this is Jesse's son. Now David, Jesse's son. He was the armor bearer of Saul. He was the chief physician to Saul. And Saul says, hey David, put on my armor. And David said, okay. Now I've always preached this, taught this, saw this. And when he tried to put on Saul's armor, it was Saul disguising David to trick the people to thinking it was Saul. But after today or this week, I don't see it like that. I see Saul say, put on my armor. And David, the Bible says, put it on. I hope I'm not boring you. He put it on. And he didn't say, it's too big. What? He said, I'm not proving this. I've never been to war. I've never fought a battle. This is armor for a soldier. I don't need this. Come on. David said, I don't intend on that joker getting closer to me. That's right. We Did you hear me? My name's David. Come on. I'm not some meek. I'm not some lowly. I'm not some half-wit that don't know anything about the power of God. I know that if I take this slingshot and hit that joker right between his eyes, he's going to fall like cordwood. I'm going to cut his head off, and God's church is going to have victory because that's God's will. I wonder if there's any Davids here tonight that would step into your rightful place with understanding God church. God does not mismatch the church. God is not looking for some meek, really tiny, insignificant people that he can bless by his own loving army that he can empower. He's looking for a warrior that he can put a sword into his power church. Stand to your feet and let's rejoice with you. Rather than die, 
they drove the switch allegiance. Because they knew, the enemy knew, if David's there, God fights for him. Can I just tell you? You don't even realize how scared to death the enemy of this area you're already yeah. in. Let me tell you what he's not afraid of. He's not afraid of a small meat David. He's not afraid of an insignificant David. He's not afraid of the little lamb David. He, he, he's afraid of God's David. He's afraid of the David that says, take this armor off me. I'm not proven. I'll tell you what I have proved. I'll prove I don't need armor. I'm not afraid to go fight that uncircumcised Philistine. No, he's not a giant to me. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. There's no difference between him and everybody else out there. They're all uncircumcised. The Lord be with me this day. The same God that delivered me. Sorry. The same God that delivered me out of him. And the Bible says, right between the eyes, he fell and he took his own sword, took his own head off, and danced. I have another question. If Goliath was over nine foot tall, if his the tip of his spear weighed more than one average man, if his, if his shield uh, weighed more than three or four average men, how in the world could a meek, sissy, weak boy pick up the head of Goliath and dance with him? I'm not saying he was nine foot tall, but Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. Yes. And David fit Saul's armor. That's right. That's right. You'll never, you never, you never find an enemy that you're mismatched for. You'll never fight an adversary. You'll, you'll never fight a battle that you've not already won. You'll never come against anything that you can't win. There's no power in heaven or in earth. Because the power will stop God's church. Come on. If God's church will open up its mouth and speak with dominion and authority and take. We're fixing to do something here. I, 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 I don't know if I got on this last time I was here. Can you come help me? Young Sister LaRue, right? All right. I'm going to use your wife. Don't. Don't hurt me. <laughs> so, when the Lord separated, the plurality of us was in God. Are you with me? In God. In the creative God was the church. And what God created, Adam, in Adam was her. He caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and he pulled out of Adam her. So when he said, let us, it was not two separate, but it was one whole. Yeah, right. And so the woman came from the side of the man, which produced his bride. The church came from the side of Christ, which produced his bride. Yes. There's your typology. First Adam, second Adam. Come on. Help me. First Adam got his bride from his side and lost her in the garden. When... Come be the devil. <laughs> when the devil, I need you to get just a little space right had a conversation with her. And he's saying, did God say? He didn't misquote the scripture, he quoted it verbatim. Just at the end of it, the explanation point, he turned into a question. Question, right, but not speaking. 
So Jesus Christ comes to fulfill the role of the second Adam. Got his bride from his church. But likewise, the same devil showed up on the mount to talk to the second Adam. That's right. And when he has a conversation with the second Adam, he said something like, If. And Jesus said, Huh. It is written. So he talks to the devil. He says, it is written. The Bible says the devil left. So he, I said, it's written. But returneth after a while. And he tempts him the second time. And the Bible says, Jesus says, it is written. And he leaves. He came back after a while. That's right. Yeah. And the second Adam said, hmm. What am I lacking here? Oh, yeah. There's difference in quoting speaking or declaring. You can't quote him. You have to speak and declare yes. what's spoken. There needs to be a mirror from this pulpit to the pew. Not an echo. A declaration. And the third temptation, the Bible says, and Jesus said unto him, get thee behind me. He didn't say, it is written, and quote, he said, it is said, yes. get thee behind me. Yes. And the Bible says he left and has yet to turn back. That's right. That's right. Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you tired of increase? Are you tired of loneliness? Are you tired of depression, oppression? Are you tired of Are you lost without God? Have you never received baptism? Where are you at right now? What do you need right now? And when you figure out what you need, you have to figure out what you look like in that need. And you have to figure out what's attacking you that brings that need to you. And you've got to figure out how big is Goliath. And then you've got to figure out, would God, knowing God, put me in that situation? And it'd be so mismatched, and it'd be so out of order, that he's going to run to my rescue as a great Savior. He is. But that's not a good father. Come on. You're right. That's good. Okay. Yeah. I have wonderful children. I don't put them in the highway. And right before the car kills them, save them. That's right. That's right. That's good. I teach them don't get in the highway. That's right. That's right. Why would God knowingly put you in a situation and at the last minute save you? Is he a savior? Yes. But before he's a savior, he's your father. That's right. Teach me to pray. Teach me to teach us how to. He said, okay, here's how you pray. Our father. Your prayers need to start with the revelation of sonship. Don't pray in these and vows. Say, hey, dad. That's right. Yeah. Yes, amen. Don't make him far off. Don't alienate yourself from what his power can be. He's close. He's your father. He wants to do good gifts. He wants to do good things. He wants to bless you. Yes. He does not have you mismatched with the enemy yes. and the prince and the power That's of this right. area. Right. He does not have to come to your rescue. He does not have to fall from the heavens in a lightning bolt or a clap of thunder to convince you he's in this house. All he's waiting on is for this great congregation yes. to get a revelation. God is for Yes, that's right. That's Amen. Right. Amen. 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 Amen
Does anybody believe that today? Yes. Amen. Can you put on the screen numbers 14 and 8? And I'm, I'm done. You've been a great, great, great crowd here. Numbers 14 and 8. This is what this church has to answer here tonight. I believe. Yep. Shout the first word. Yeah. yeah. Stop. None of the rest is applicable if you don't settle that word. If. And it's put there on purpose because he needs you to decide what you think about him being with you. If. The Lord delight in us. So let me ask you a question. Does God delight in this church? Yes, he does. Yes. yes. Does God delight in your house? Yes. Does God delight in your walk with him? Yes. Does God delight in your relationship with him? Yes. Does, God, does, does he? Yes. Then. Say that again. He will bring us to this land. Yes. When? When he delights in us. So does God delight in us? Yes. Then he will bring you. Yes. Does God delight in you? Yes. Then he will bring you. Yes. Does God delight? Then yes. he will bring you. And give it And give
Yes. You really think Peter was some poor, ignorant, insignificant fisherman? Peter on the fleet of boats. He and his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather been fishers in that region for years. They were wealthy. They knew what the fish was. Yes. Jesus showed up and said, let's go back at it. He said, no, sir, we've, we've told all night. We know the hot bit. We know how to catch fish. And ain't out there tonight. He used intellect to argue with the Creator. Yet the Creator said, go to the other side. Come on. And there a great crowd of fish was caught. Yes. Blowing the logic of Peter, but yet Peter fished. He still fished. Yes, he did. It takes a mighty, brave man fish and to do when everything logical says it won't work. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How many times has this church evangelized this city, knocked on doors? Uh, yeah. How many times have you prayed for God to send people? How many? Come on. It takes an awful big do to go out when God says go out again. Right. Amen. But God delights in us. See, there's a new season. There's an atmospheric change that's taking place here in the last six or eight months. Matter of fact, before God, before God created man, oh, I feel prophetic right now. Before God created the man, the last and final crown of peace, five days he worked on environment. That's good. God will work longer preparing you for what's coming. God will spend five times longer getting you ready for what's coming than the day that comes. But God cannot place a man to live in an environment where it's not conducive. So God starts working on the atmosphere. This is, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. So God starts working on you. You're waiting to hear and see everything that's been preached and prophesied happen right now. And you miss the point that it's just God. Now the first day's gone. That's right. Now we're on the second day, and it'll be gone. And you want it to happen now because God said let it be. But you need to understand it takes five days to get to the one day where He puts man, a living being, where he's been working on the atmosphere for five. Don't you doubt what God's doing in this church? Amen. The, the, Amen. Because there's not behinds on every pew in this building. That don't mean that they're not coming. That don't mean it's not going to happen. That just means God's working on your faith. God's getting the atmosphere right. God's getting the environment right. God's putting trees where trees need to be and creeks where creeks need to be. And it's going to happen so fast. He's just going to get back and say, and all this is good, but all this is for one purpose. Let there be men. Yeah. And men will come.
God is not logical. God, God is not logical. God, God doesn't do things the way men do. God doesn't think like we think. He's very clear that your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Mine are so far higher than yours. You can't fathom my ways. He said, every now and then I'll, let you, I'll clue you in on some stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll show you my marvelous works. God, God doesn't have to tell us everything. But when he does speak, you ought to listen. In Isaiah, he said, break forth, O thou that didst not bear. Sing, O thou, Mary. And he said, For more are the children of the desolate. And he goes in to say, I'll give it to you, Mom. He said, Why aren't you dancing? And she said, I don't have kids. He said, That ought not stop you from dancing. He said, Matter of fact, you have more kids than the lady said, Next, she's got 12 sitting on the pew. And she's like, How's that pop? He said, Because I said so. Because you can't see what I can see. Because you don't know what. Yes! 
just keep doing it.
Daddy. My daddy's almost 80. Health is bad. Mama's health is gone. And I understand. I understand there's just something that can't do what they want to do. I get that. But I'm asking you tonight to dance, O thou barren. To worship, O thou barren. To give thanks, O thou barren. Like 25 people just got the Holy Ghost here on Sunday night in the Bible service. Like your children that you've been praying for, prodigals that you've been fasting for, that just want to be in the world. She's only had one for life, but she's got two. 
they're not just two bones. They're, 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 they're new bones. There's nothing wrong. There's absolutely zero. Close your eyes. She's going to lead us in one. 